I think you always have to remember that she is not your daughter. She is a daughter-in-law, and there is a difference. I think it's really easy for us to want to clump our kids together. So I think it's important that you allow her to be independent, an independent woman. Defer to her. Again, show her the respect by deferring to her and, and asking if things are okay for this or this, because that's her family. everyone. I'm Denise Gorant. Welcome to Fight Your Tongue, the podcast. Thanks for joining us as we speak with experts, authors, parents, and even young adults to explore the transition from parenting our young children to building healthy relationships with our now adults. Hopefully we'll grow together, learn about ourselves, our young adults, and of course, when to bite our tongues. We are so happy you're with us. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bite Your Tongue, the podcast. Before we get started today, I've got to do another shameless pitch for our great Bite Your Tongue mugs. Check them out on our website at biteyourtonguepodcast.com. Get yours today. It really helps us keep producing. And if I say so myself, they're pretty cute. Do it for us and do it for you. Now let's get started. Our listeners keep asking us to do an episode on the mother and daughter-in-law relationship, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So this episode is a we're on it. You asked for it, and we found the best person to talk to. We did some searching, and today we're pleased to welcome Dr. Deanna Braun. Dr. Deanna is a leading expert in mother and daughter-in-law relationships. She also has firsthand experience being a mother-in-law herself and has written two books, the first, Reluctantly Related, and the second, Reluctantly Related Revisited. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Deanna. Is there anything I missed in your introduction? Anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself? Um, we'd at least like to know how you decided to delve into these relationships, and was it hard to share your own personal stories? Well, let me tell you first how I got into it, and then I'll tell you about telling my story, because okay. they're, they're, they're kind of combined in some ways. Okay. When my son married my his wife, my daughter-in-law, we we got along great, you know, for the first I'm going to say th- three years, maybe. Um, I mean, we were like really close. In fact, she she was the one who invited me to go help her buy the wedding dress or pick it out, you know. So, I mean, wow. that's how close we were. And, you know, we talked all the time. They um, had moved to Tennessee. I was living in Michigan at the time. So we would talk all the time. I would talk to my son, but I would also talk to her because she was very much a part of my world. Then they had their first child, and that's when everything changed. And it was like, I don't know, it's like a switch went off. I don't know what happened. Uh, in hindsight, I do, but I didn't. Right, right, time, right. You know, and um, I mean, I'm acting the same as I always had. And all of a sudden, it's like I couldn't do anything right. I was too controlling. I was too this. I was too that. I was, you know, buttoning their business. I was doing everything and everything wrong, obviously. And it, and it just would go on and on. And then we would, it would be weird because we would have these issues that were obvious. I mean, it's not like we, we didn't talk about it. Let me just put it that way. We would fight about it maybe, or we would, I knew she was angry, but I couldn't say anything, that kind of thing. So, you know, the tensions there, then it would get better. 
and then it would get bad again. And it would be this back and forth thing. And that would go on for years. That actually it went on for eight years, which is a long time because that's through two children. Then my sister died and it was sudden. It just really woke me up to the idea of, wow, we don't know how long we have here. And so it was really important to me at that point. First off, I was exhausted going with this back and forth business. Negotiating this relationship all the time. Exactly. And so I started to do some research. I I interviewed mothers-in-law, I interviewed daughters-in-law, sons and husbands. I mean, I interviewed everybody. And I learned so much from that. One, I learned what I was doing wrong because when I was interviewing, I had my therapist hat on and then I had my you know, mother-in-law hat on. And so I would listen to different things and I realized some of the things I was doing wrong. So what I started doing is changing my behavior based on who my daughter-in-law was. Mm -hmm. And as I started changing my behavior, she started changing hers. And so it's not like we ever talked about, oh, we need to work through this Mm -hmm. because that doesn't work. I'll tell you that right now. As a therapist, I know that doesn't sound good, but it doesn't work unless you're in a therapy setting and you're not going to get your family in a therapy setting very often. So the best thing to do is change it. I changed it through behavior mm. and she started to change. And so once we got onto a good thing, then now I've got this research and I'm going to write these books and I'm going, oh my goodness, what is she going to think about my writing this book? You know? <laughs> <laughs> is our relationship going to go down the tubes? You know? right, so, right, right. so I, I talked to her about, it. I told her what I wanted to do and she was really actually excited about it. So I had told her that I wanted to share our Thanksgiving from hell. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted, so I said, would you mind, and this is where I put my therapist head on, would you mind if I interview you so I can hear it from your perspective? Because I think it's important That's right. mm-hmm. for mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law to understand that everybody's got their side and everybody thinks they're right. You know, so, no, you're absolutely right. You know, so I wanted to understand it from her perspective and I wanted it to be in the book that way so that it made sense to other daughters-in-law who would be reading this. So that's what we did. And so she really collaborated with me on that because I would, I interviewed her, I wrote down, I wrote the chapter, I let her read it, I let her make changes, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it really worked out well. So that's kind of my story with how this came about and and actually my daughter-in-law helping me with it. Well, you know, it's interesting because we're going to get to that story, but because you brought it up, I want to say something about it. Cause I read that and I read a few of your others, you know, how you said the daughter-in-law's side and the mother-in-law's side. And I was reading what the mother-in-law was doing, like probably going to get them confused. I think in your case, you got the, you got up early and started making bread, wanted them to sleep in and you thought you were right. doing such exactly. a nice thing. And I was thinking that is a really nice thing. And then she woke up really angry because I think she was struggling with nursing or something Exactly, and wanted mm-hmm. to do the nursing. And you didn't know that. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how do you, almost in every situation that you describe, the mother-in-law was trying to really do something nice. The other one that struck me was the mother-in-law that I think she was babysitting twice a week or something. And she wanted to get dinner fed for the little girl, get the kitchen cleaned up. And the daughter-in-law came in and just freaked out because it was a little bit of jealousy. I think the daughter-in-law's answer was, I was mad. Was she trying to show me that she could do this and keep the house clean at the same time when I had those struggles? So I found that so interesting because I thought to myself, those are the kinds of things I might choose to do 
oh my gosh, I'm going to do something kind and it's going to end up flying back in my face. So I want to get to that. Before I get to that, I want to read the one quote that I think reflects what you said earlier about changing your behavior. And I want to talk a little bit about the power of you. In both of your books, you have this quote, we come into families through the people we choose to marry. Our judgments about our in-laws speak more about who we are than they are. Being mindful about what we bring to the situation helps create a well-balanced family environment. So I'd like you to tell me a little bit about that quote, and I think it relates to the power of you. Is that correct? It does. It okay. does. Um, it's important to understand that this is such a complicated thing because you have to understand who you're dealing with. Every every relationship is very different. And we only have so much power within ourselves and within a relationship. It doesn't matter what the relationship is. So in, in wanting to change it and wanting to understand it, you have to first understand who you're dealing with, who, who are the people involved. In this case, your daughter-in-law. So you have to understand who is this person. You, let's say you have two or three different daughters-in-law. They will be very different people. You may, you know, this may person you may get along with really well, and the other two may be nightmares for you, or vice versa. So you have to understand each person is coming into this relationship with their own stuff. I call it emotional baggage. Okay. They come in with their own, you know, life history. And even at 20 something or 30 something, they have life history. They come in with their own family dynamics right. and everything. So you have to really under, take a look at that. And I don't mean from a psychological standpoint, but just kind of as who they are as a person. And as you understand that, then you're in a better position to figure out what you need to do to make things better. Let's use one of the examples. Okay, that's said. what I was going to say. Let's use an example. Okay. Okay. So you talk about the the daughter in law who comes in and she's really angry at her mother in law because you know the dishes are done, the kids are fed, they're bathed, they're this, so that you know the house is clean, and she feels like my mother in law doesn't even think I'm a good. I can't even take care of my own house. That's what she's thinking. Well, what you're talking about here is the daughter in law is feeling already insecure. She's insecure because she's working, she's got a husband, she's got a family, and she doesn't feel like she's good at taking care of all those different people. And part of that is probably reality, but part of it is based on her own emotional history and her life experience with her parents and her family. So you have that dynamic going on. And the mother-in-law's thinking, hey, I'm doing this for her so she doesn't have to do it. You know, I'm trying to be nice. Well, if you understand that, let's say your daughter-in-law is a bit insecure, and it's not, and I can give you examples of how you'll figure that out because it's not really hard. Well, I think everybody's a little insecure when you have a child. Yes. None of us know what we're, you know, all of us aren't sure when we begin that journey. Well, and again, this is where when you talk about why this relationship is so difficult and stuff, you know, the mother-in-law has been through all this, what the daughter-in-law is now going through. Right. And so she's more laid back with it and, you know, doesn't see it as a big deal where she's kind of forgetting where the daughter-in-law is, you know, what that's like to feel that anxiety of, can I do it all kind of thing. If, if a mother-in-law wants to be able to be helpful, but not get the wrath of her daughter-in-law, in this particular, and I'm using this as an example right, right. from from this thing. The best thing she can do is speak her intent, talk about her intent. For example, before the daughter-in-law goes to work that day, 
she could say to her, look, I know you're, you, you know, you're going to work, you, you know, you come home, you got all this stuff to do. I would like to do a favor for you if I can, if you're, if you're okay with it. If you're okay, would you mind if I cook dinner for you guys tonight? Or do you mind if I just clean up the kitchen? Because we're going to be making a mess all day with the kids. And I just don't want to leave that for you. And by saying that and, and basically making sure it's okay with her, it does a couple of things. One, it tells her what your true intent is instead of her plugging in the intent, which will be her worst nightmare that you think she's incompetent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So you're telling her what your intent is right off the bat. So there's no guesswork, but also you're showing her respect. And that's really important to a daughter-in-law because she's feeling unsure of herself and, and her new role and all that stuff. So by doing those two things right off the bat, you've already shifted things in that relationship. So then, and if the daughter-in-law you know, says, sure, that's great, then you do it. She comes home. She won't be upset. If she says no, then don't do it. But at least she's got the place. She's in the position to be able to make that decision, which will again start to soften her with just the fact that you even asked as opposed to just did it. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I just imagine myself in the situation and, you know, you're taking care of kids. You get to, you, you aren't even thinking about it when she's there getting ready to leave. But midday or while the child's taking a nap, you think, oh, I've got some time. Maybe I'll clean up here and make some dinner. Then is it a good idea maybe to text the daughter-in-law and say, Sally's sleeping. Do you want me to whip up, you know, make some dinner for you? Would that be helpful? You just always ask whatever the situation yeah, that would be fine. I mean, in today's world where you can text, that would right, be great. Right. That way, you know, you and, and you say it just like that. You know, I've got some time, you know, so she's sleeping. If you're okay with it, I'd be happy to do it. I know you, I know when I was your age, I didn't want to come home and have to cook all the time. You make it more of a normal thing. And that just makes it so much easier for her. So yeah, it doesn't have to be like first thing in the morning or even the night before. Yeah. Because I don't always think you have a set idea of what your day is going to be when you're dealing with young children. It's absolutely true. We're never quite sure what our day is going to bring, but we certainly hope we never encounter or experience this little outtake we're going to share from the TV show, Everybody Loves Raymond. Marie, Ray's mom, is talking to Deborah, her daughter-in-law. This is an absolutely what not to do. Enjoy. In the past, we've had our share of tiffs, but I truly believe it's because you misunderstand me. (laughs) I I am not interested in a relationship of artificial pleasantries and, and phony smiles. You never, ever have to pretend with me. I'm always honest with you, aren't I? And if I see something that you desperately need help with, like cooking, (laughs) cleaning, the children, your hair, I I care so much that I have to say something because I want to help. Oh, honey. You don't have to be worried, dear. I forgive you for today. (laughs) And I'm always here to help. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed that little outtake. Now let's get back to today's episode. 
I've got so many other questions here, but there was a question from one of my listeners. And so since we're in this kind of replying to a question, she says that, and it's a newly married, I'm trying to find exactly the question. Her her son had been dating this woman for about 10 years and she'd still never been introduced to the daughter-in-law's family. Uh, She felt really bad about that. And their first meeting was actually at the wedding. Even at the wedding, she wasn't introduced to her daughter-in-law's sister until four days when they were all together. And her mother, the mother of the daughter-in-law, never said one sentence to her or said no more than one sentence to her that day. So she has this fear inside looking forward of not, not being allowed to share in family events and that the house will be divided. How can she approach this? Um, and the families are geographically separated. So how does she figure out why, she, you know, the families have become so distant and there wasn't, you know, how usually you go to a wedding, there's a lot of love, welcome to the family, blah, blah, mm-hmm, blah. Mm-hmm. She wasn't feeling that. And she's really scared of what's to come. Yeah, that's a tough spot because um, it could be a couple of things. There's so much going on in the wedding, and so the daughter-in-law didn't even, it didn't even dawn on her. Who, or maybe the depends on her relationship with her own mother, that kind of thing. So, so there's so many dynamics playing into this. It's hard for the mother-in-law to figure out what is this. Is this about me or is this just about them kind of thing? Right, right. That's what I thought when I read it, yeah. Yeah, so I think that to me the best thing she can do at this point she could, and I would sit down with the daughter-in-law and she could include her son in this too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it could be over the phone. It could be in person. It really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, I really didn't get a chance to say much to your mom or, or your sister. Is there a way for you to give, can you give me their phone number or their email or something? I'd just like to touch base with them and see if she can let something like that happen. Now, if the daughter-in-law says no, you, that would be an appropriate time to say, well, is there something going on, you know, with your mom or, or is there something that I need to know about here? Just so that she can understand kind of what the dynamic is, because that's important. Would it ever be appropriate to talk to the son first and maybe find out a little bit about that background? I would be, and again, I always wonder what the son's role is here, because I think I would go to my son and I feel I say something like, I feel so badly. I hardly spoke to her mother. You know, I, I met her sister. Or no, I never even met her sister. Um, mm-hmm. Are they a close family? Do you want us to be acquainted? Um, what would you want from us in this situation? Bringing in the son is is something you do sometimes and sometimes it's not appropriate. So, so there's no blanket statement here. But as far as this particular example, I think that would be perfectly appropriate to do. I think it would be awesome. I would, you know, you could speak to him first, but then I would bring in both of them. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I think that's probably true. You have to bring in her at some point. It's not fair to talk about her. Yeah, and, and she, you know, it's her family. But I think if you could get an idea, just a, a, some idea of what the family dynamic is between everybody in her family, if she has a good relationship with her mom, or maybe it's not good, or maybe it's too close or whatever it is, that will help determine. But once you get that piece of information, then bring them both in, because I think leaving her out is going to make more problems than you want. Than it's worth. Yeah. You know, and some say that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We expect not to like each other. Is there some truth to saying a daughter's a daughter the rest of her life, a son's a son till he takes him a wife? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I think, yes, there is truth to that. I think it's important for women to understand, and I think this is for, and I know our audience is more 
mothers-in-law, but it's also for, this is for daughters-in-law, but it's mothers-in-law need to hear this too. The real reason, I mean, there's there's a lot of elements involved in why this relationship is difficult, but the overall reason why this relationship is so difficult is because of the tension between the two women. And that tension has to do with they're both competing for the influence that they have over the husband slash son. Mm-hmm. It's not the love, it's the influence. And so, and it's not something that either woman really knows about. They don't think of it like that. Mm-hmm. They aren't even aware of it. First off, it's an artificial relationship. You're thrown together with this person because your son loves her. You know, you don't really know her. And so, you know, you're trying to create this relationship and you don't even know who you're dealing with. It's not a natural way we develop relationship. Mm -hmm. But this tension that's there between the two women who are competing for this influence is so critical because it can, you know, you can get along, and I'm a perfect example with my daughter-in-law, get along and then one sentence can happen or one behavior can happen and boom, it changes everything Mm -hmm. um, because of how that particular word, the word or behavior um, is interpreted. Well, let, let me ask you this. What are some of the early steps a mother-in-law can do to start a positive relationship with her daughter-in-law? Is it always, well, I guess go back to the power of you. We didn't even finish that, so we need to go back to that. But what are some of the steps? Your your son's engaged. Um, you're going to have this new daughter-in-law. What kind of advice would you give to a new mother-in-law? Well, and this would go under the whole power of you thing. Okay, the, okay. It would. The first thing I truly recommend. And it's not always easy, especially when people say, oh, well, we're long distance. But, you know, in today's world, it's, I mean, you can, you can FaceTime, you can, I mean, there's so many ways you can communicate with people and do visuals with each other. It's really important for the mother-in-law. And I think it's the mother-in-law's responsibility to take the step because she's the older of the two. She's the elder. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that she initiate this. And she needs to develop a relationship with her daughter-in-law that is independent of her son. Mm-hmm. All right. She needs to figure out, you know, of what she likes and she can get some of this information from her son, but she needs to find out what does she like? What is it? What doesn't she like? What is she into? You know, that kind of stuff so that she can start developing a relationship with this woman that is based on more than you're married to my son. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. what commonalities do you have? What can she teach you that maybe you don't know? Because one of the things that daughters-in-law struggle with is here's my mother-in-law who has all the answers because she's mature and she's been through it and all this other stuff and I know nothing. We want to balance that relationship a little bit. And part of that is is there's got to be things that your daughter-in-law knows or is into that she could teach you about um, in a relationship that the other person feels that they matter and that they're valued. And that's where the mother-in-law can really show that to the daughter-in-law by learning what she's into and not just be the teacher, but sometimes be the student. Oh, that's a really good, that's a really good point. Anything else? Can you think of anything else that starts off this relationship on the right foot? I think the other thing is, and we talked about this a little while ago, is you need to defer to the, to the daughter-in-law, especially when it's around wedding stuff. I was going to say weddings is another <laughs> question. So one yeah. person said, I always got along. Now they're engaged and they're planning this wedding and nothing I say is important. And I'm like, I feel like she's bridezilla. 
Yeah, well, she may be because that does happen. I think I think one of the things that young women get into is they're so focused on that one day. Mm-hmm. They forget that the whole thing is really about the marriage that goes yeah. on beyond mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. that's probably another podcast. <laughs> I have an episode <laughs> on that. We have whose wedding is it anyway? And that's exactly what the person says. <laughs> think about the relationship, not the wedding. Yeah. So, but in this case, I think, again, to defer to the daughter, you can ask her, you know, I was thinking about this. What do you think? Um, mm-hmm. How can I help you in the in, in this area or that area, whatever area it is? And talk to her that way to let her know that you're open to things that you have thought, but you're not going to jam them down her throat either. And again, it's showing respect. I am talking about a wedding, but in situations like I just imagine this, and I've had people say this to me. Oh my gosh, my, you know, this was when this was really new. Remember when people signed up for money gifts, like uh, give a give to our honeymoon or something, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we don't, you know, and, and that was at the very beginning, my friends would say, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. My daughter-in-law is asking for money for her honeymoon. And do you just not say anything to them and let them do their thing? Or they're not sending thank you notes. Or I can't believe my daughter-in-law didn't even thank Mrs. So-and-so for giving that shower. I mean, you really have to bite your tongue a lot. You do. Well, you do. I mean, and again, you got to think about these are two adults now. Right. You know, your son and your daughter, they are adults. So they don't do the, quote, proper thing. That's on them. And you've got to let that go. But you feel like it's on you. So you do have to let that go. That's your job, I guess. Yes. Yes. You've got to let it go because they are adults and it's their choice, not yours. Our generation was kind of the first generation to sort of be so close to our kids raising them. Our, you know, I don't remember my parents going to every sporting event I was ever in. Whereas we not only <laughs> went to the sporting events, we brought the oranges. We did the, you know, yes. we probably were doing <laughs> somersaults on the sides. Yes. And now it's our job to let go and realize that they are adults and this is their family. And we are not part of their immediate family anymore. And I think that's a hard separation. It is. And again, when we were the age of our children who are getting married, when we were that age, we didn't have to deal with any of this um, because our parents already separated from us. You know, right, exactly. They so, were like, hi. So- yeah, exactly. No one is paying cell phone bills, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think the problem is no one taught us how to do that. It was just such an automatic thing. And one of the things that I, I think it's important, and this is for sons as well as daughters-in-law, the daughters have to do this as much as a son does, and that is they have to emotionally separate from their parents And particularly the mother. And the mother has to do that, too. And I've had so many mothers-in-law say to me, oh, but I separated from my son a long time ago, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, and then there's this but, but now, you know, I never hear from him and I never this and I never. And part of it is, is you let go to a degree, but you didn't really let go. And it's, it's such an important piece because... If you don't, you're the one that's going to end up being hurt and you're going to be misinterpreting things. And I'd like to use the example of if you think about your own husband, now that you're an adult and, and you, you, know, you two are married and, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about a mother-in-law right now. If you mm-hmm. think about your own husband. How many times does he call his mother and share intimate details and get into what's going on in his world in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't happen. So why should your son be doing that? Well, I think it goes back to what we think from how we raised our kids. I think you're absolutely yes. right. And I tell some of my friends this when they say, 
you know, their kids aren't calling or whatever. And I think, well, how many times did I call my mother? And, exactly. you know, I called her, but I told her only what I wanted to tell her. And it was a lot of superficial things, um, exactly. you know, because I wasn't about to share the ins and outs of my personal life. Now, some daughters do that with their mothers. I, I never did. So I don't know why I expect my kids do. And I think it's some of it is a little bit of, I'll be honest, jealousy when I hear my other friend's daughters calling them all the time with this and that. And I don't know what's going on. I feel a little distant. Then I say, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, I think, though, a daughter who's calling her mother frequently and sharing intimate things is a young woman who isn't allowing herself to mature on an emotional level. She's stuck in this being a kid. And that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, women love to talk about, oh, my husband shouldn't be calling his mother all the time. Well, neither should the daughter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important that we allow our kids and we don't, but we should be allowing our kids to grow into the uh, independent adults we raise them to be. That's that's our job. You're absolutely right. And I think that's the hardest job in our generation. It is. And even some of the questions I got from people, I thought to myself, well, maybe this isn't your family and you're not going to be involved every single day and you're not going to see your grandchildren all the time. Um, you need to step back. Maybe I'm totally wrong and I'm not there and I'll feel all these things later. But anyway. Well, if you do, call me. I will. Because... I will. And- <laughs> So you also say something in your book, you feel the tension, maybe she feels the tension. What do you do about it? Why is it there? You know, it's horrible to be walking on eggshells all the time. What do you do? It is. Well, and this is, I kind of call it getting unstuck because what happens is that when there's that much tension going on, first off, neither party is going to be listening to the other person. Both people are going to be thinking, if I can just convince her that she's wrong, and that I'm right, we'll be okay. She just isn't hearing what I'm saying. Well, the other person is saying the exact same thing. And what happens is when we're in these situations, and let's say you do try to talk and tell her what, why you're right, she's over there, instead of listening to you, she's over there thinking, what am I going to say next to rebut what she's just saying? So no one's listening to each other. That's the biggest piece here mm-hmm. when there's that much tension. And and again, I kind of focus on the mother-in-law because she's supposed to be the mature one here. That's exactly right. I agree with that. Um, You know, and somebody's got to do it. So Mm -hmm. why not the mother-in-law? So in this case, when, when you're in that situation, if you want to be heard, you've got to first hear the other person. Mm -hmm. And when there's that much tension, what I'm, what I pick up is that someone is really hurt. Someone is really feeling misunderstood or whatever they're feeling, something is going on. And the best way for you to get past this stuckness that you're in is to find out what is going on with her and just say, you know, obviously you're angry with me about something or you're upset with me. I want to hear what it's about. And this is where it's really hard, but you have to do this. You have to listen to what she says And the best thing to do is when you hear what she says, instead of fighting back and saying, but this and you did that and all that other stuff that never works and get defensive, you need to ask her question so that you make sure that you understand exactly what she's saying. So if she says, you know, I'm really I'm really upset with you because you just stop by and you don't even call. You just assume you can come over whenever you want. And instead of 
explaining yourself at that moment. The best thing you can do is say, wow, I'm, I never realized that. And then you repeat back to her what she said, but in your own words, mm-hmm. that my coming over without letting you know that or finding out if it's even okay was, was that disturbing to you? I, I wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so by listening to her and then repeating back to her in your own words, what you heard her say is helping her to feel one that you heard her because all anybody wants to do when they're that upset is they want to feel emotionally heard. They want to know that you understand the emotional pain that they perceive you to be putting on them. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a perception. It may not be real, but it's their perception, which in that case is their reality. So you got to deal with it. So if you do that and you keep doing that until she starts to calm down, then you can say at the very end, again, you're, you're hearing her, you're repeating back to her what she said in your own words and acknowledging, you're not admitting you're doing anything wrong. You're just acknowledging what she's saying then at the end, you can say, what can I do to make this better? That's an important sentence. And that is crucial. And then she'll, I'll, I'll tell you, they soften. At that point, the ice has melted. Mm-hmm. Because all people, people don't often even need an apology. They just want to feel heard. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we're so quick in apologizing, we don't even know what we're apologizing for. It feels so artificial. Neither person believes it. You realize how all of these are just about relationship. We had an interview early on in our podcast with a Dr. Susan Heitler about, you know, getting along with our adult children. And one of her phrases was very similar to what you're saying. The customer's always right. Meaning whatever your child's feeling, you agree with that feeling and let them be heard. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Your, your daughter-in-law in her mind is always right. So you, she had this term where she would say, agree and. I agree. Mm-hmm. It must be hard to have someone drop by all the time unannounced. Exactly. I didn't realize how hard that must be on you. What can I do to make it better? Exactly. That kind of thing. So immediately the customer is always right. And I think yeah. you're, you're right. The tension goes down. The ice melts, as you said. Exactly. And I think that that's really goes back to the you, the power of you. You are in charge. Don't expect it from her because exactly. you might be waiting a very long time. And, yes, forever. <laughs> you know? but, and the other thing to think about, too, is that, you know, no one's really right or wrong in these situations. So quit focusing on who's right and who's wrong because that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. She could be telling you something about you did this or what, and it's totally off base. And yet you'll never convince her that she's wrong. So just listen to it. Just acknowledge it. That doesn't make it that you're saying she's right. You're just acknowledging. And it's just so important. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I, I, I remember being a daughter-in-law and the thing that bugged me the most about my mother-in-law was, and they lived far away, so they always came and stayed with us. I think it's much harder when your mother-in-law moves into your house with you whether it be for mm-hmm. a week or a few days. I always tell my friends, if you can afford it, get an Airbnb two doors down. You know, how I was opening the diced onions can or how I was stirring something. And she was great at all of that, but I took it so personally. I mean, I had to let it go. Yes, tell me how to open my can, but it's hard to hear. It is, especially in your own home. Especially in your <laughs> own home. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So in your book, you talk through so many different personality types, and I know we don't have time to talk about all of them here, but is there a way to explain a few different personalities of the daughter-in-laws that they can look out for? Is there a way to go into that a tiny bit? Sure. Okay. Sure. 
if you go to my books, there's a questionnaire in the back right. that will, and you can do it online too on my website, but okay. it will, will help you decide which daughter-in-law you have. Because once you understand what kind of daughter-in-law you have, then you have, you can get the tools that you need to deal with that particular one. I think that's really important. We need to emphasize that. On uh, Dr. Deanne's website, there's a questionnaire that you can work on to figure out what is the personality type of your daughter-in-law that can help you with the tools to move forward. Now go ahead with some of your examples. I just want to make sure to underscore that sure, because I think sure. that's really important. Yeah. Understanding who you're dealing with is the only way you can make changes because if you don't know who you're dealing with, you're going to be all over the map. So right. let's start with uh, doubting Donna. Okay. This one, one you'd have trouble with. She's She's the one who, you know, probably low self-esteem. Um, she's very uncertain. She'll second guess herself. Now, externally, you know, she'll probably come across like she's very together. Mm -hmm. So it's, it can be really hard. You know, when you're in her home and you're watching her, you can see that she kind of second guesses herself, that mm -hmm. she's a little unsure of herself, that she doesn't really um, know who she is as a person yet. Um, unlike confident Connie, who's very comfortable in her own skin. Doubting Donna is not comfortable in her own skin because she's not sure who she is. That's the one that you have to really make sure that you state your intentions because okay. she will put the worst intention that you could have on her. So you really want to make sure you do that. She's the one that you defer to. You make sure that you, as I say, state your intent, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Weird Wendy is <laughs> I love these names. Probably probably the most difficult one mm -hmm. to deal with because she sees things that really aren't there and there's not much you can do to change that totally. Is she looking for control? She's looking for definitely looking for control. And she's gonna see everything you do pretty much as a negative. Okay. Um she may be one of those people who will, and she's very, typically pretty passive aggressive, although she can be mm -hmm. opposite probably too, but she's, she's definitely passive aggressive. For example, she may come to your house. Let's say you have, she comes to your house for a holiday and instead of being with family, she'll go in another room and read a book. Oh, yeah. What do you do about that? Well, in that kind of situation, you really have to find some humor and use humor to help you navigate this. For example, let's say that's exactly what happened. She comes over, everybody's kind of getting the kitchen stuff ready and blah, blah, blah. But she's in another room reading a book uh -huh. by herself. So this is when you would go to the door and say, oh, you know, uh, Wendy, I know you're really into that book, but I sure could use your help in here. Don't confront her because that's not going to do you any good. Mm -hmm. Put her in a position. You want to create a position where she kind of doesn't have a choice. You kind of, and it's important that you acknowledge Whatever it is she said or did, I know this is what you're doing, or I know this is how you feel, um, but I really could use your help, or I really need this, you mm -hmm. know? And so put it in the sense of what you need and what you want from her at that point. Um, humor is one of the best things to do with it. Like, for example, another example, she might be the one who comes late all the time to your house for dinner. Mm -hmm. And in those situations, Start dinner, you, you're supposed to start dinner, let's say at 6 o'clock or 6.30. Have your dinner at 6 or 6.30, whether she's there or not. And when she comes in, don't make a big deal about it. She has a place to sit. Let her feel the discomfort of that. Mm, that seems hard. See, I'm listening to this thinking, 
if I went in and said, Wendy, I know you're really enjoying your book, um, but I could use some help in the kitchen. Could she get angry about that? I can't believe your mother wouldn't let me just read the book. She invited us here. She should be making the meal. Yeah, but she'll never say that to you. Okay. But am I causing more tension? Not really. Well, you're probably causing tension within her. Okay. But you're also getting her engaged to some degree. And then she might settle down a little bit. Now, she may say something to her husband, but he's also probably aware of her ways of being too. So yeah, that's probably true too. Yeah. Anyway, are there any others? I don't want to go on until we've gotten three. The other one that a woman might struggle with would be the transition Tracy. And she's the one who she's very comfortable in her own skin. She probably had a bad, not a bad relationship, but not a great relationship with her own mother, but she's worked through that. And so she's kind of at the point where she doesn't really need or seeks out a relationship with her mother-in-law. She likes her mother-in-law fine. She's okay with her. She can chat with her when she's there, but she's not someone who's probably going to go to lunch with her mother-in-law or go shopping with her mother-in-law. And in that case, you have to let her be who she is. Mm -hmm, I agree. Enjoy her company when she, because, you know, she's willing to talk to you when you're at her house. So chat with her when she's at your house. Take her where she is. Don't you have to kind of change your expectations. She's not going to be the daughter-in-law where you're going shopping or you're going to lunch or you're going to tea or whatever it is. You know, she's just not going to be that kind. But she still is okay with you, you know, having somewhat of a relationship with it. So you just have to change your expectations. That can be hard too. Well, and that goes to something else you say, you know, this whole idea of letting go. Your son picked this girl. Is it time to step away? Maybe not everyone's going to have the quintessential relationship with their daughter-in-law is not being shut out enough. I think you have to look at it a little different. It's not that you walk away, because okay. I don't think you should ever walk away. I mean, that's your son. How right. can you walk away from okay. your son? You know, I just, okay. <laughs> um, but I think you have to understand that your relationship is different. You're, you're in a different role now. And I like to use the analogy of driving a car. So when, you're, when your son is young, you're in the driver's seat and he's wherever he is, but you're in the driver's seat. So when he becomes a teenager, you're in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when he gets married, you're in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you have to understand that you are secondary. You might be in the trunk. You might be in the trunk. <laughs> that could happen. Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about it. But I think you have to understand that your role is different now. You're secondary. Right. And it goes back to what we said before. We weren't calling our parents all the time. We've got to let them be who they are and understand that our role has changed. We're kind of the icing on whatever cake they make or the sprinkles, you know. We're not the cake. We hope we're the sprinkles and not the calories. (laughs) Exactly. And we're definitely not the cake, though. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, so you have to or a part of the cake. So I think you have to really shift. And I think part of the problem is we've never learned that. That's not something we ever have talked about. And it's hard. Yes, it is hard. It's hard because your whole role changes. Absolutely. And it is hard. And it's, you know, no one tells us how to do this. And, and it's not something that just happens overnight. It's, it's gradual and it happens, you know, you'll take two steps forward, one step back. I mean, that's just how it happens. Why do you think This isn't such a problem with father-in-laws. Well, that's interesting. I have that question a lot. Yeah. And you have it at the end of your second book, a little chapter about it. Yeah. I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear you talk about it. Reason a father-in-law is not going to have, first off, men have very different kind of relationship than women do. Mm -hmm. Their connection is through 
activities, sports, hobbies, you know, whatever they are into. Mm-hmm. That's what they, they base their friendships on. Women base their friendships on that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. So a father-in-law is not going to get all bent out of shape like a mother-in-law. Women take things so personally in general, but fathers-in-law don't because that's not the kind of relationships they have with people. They just don't. So men are different in women than women in this case. So it's easier for men to have that separate, like that you don't necessarily have the issue with a mother-in-law, your son with his mother-in-law, that it happens with the daughter-in-law and you. So it's just different. The one other thing I wanted to talk about was you said something like, even if you have or think you have a good relationship, like in your relationship with your daughter-in-law, eight years, or I think you said eight years, wonderful, but you still need to keep mind of some things. What are those things you should keep mind of even when you think your relationship is dandy? I think you always have to remember that she is not your daughter. She is a daughter-in-law and there is a difference. I think it's really easy for us to want to clump our kids the kids together. So I think it's important that you allow her to be independent, an independent woman, um, to respect and have allow the boundaries with her uh, and defer to her. Again, show her the respect by deferring to her and, and asking if things are okay for this or this, because that's her family. So even when things are hunky-dory, remember to ask, still continue to ask. Don't just assume exactly. she's quote unquote your daughter now. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good advice. How about the difference between a close, healthy relationship and being too close? Can a daughter-in-law be too close to her mother-in-law? Yeah. And I think, again, it goes back to what I said before, because it, it's a mother figure. So um, I think if the daughter-in-law is calling all the time and, and talking all the time and sharing intimate stuff with about her husband, which is your son, one, it's awkward for the mother-in-law because that's her son. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what am I supposed to do with this information if it's something negative? But what happens is in those situations when a daughter-in-law is too close to her mother-in-law is it creates that same stunted growth that it would with her own mother. And she needs to figure things out herself. Mm-hmm. You know, she mm-hmm. needs to figure those things out. You, you can't be her mom in those situations. And I think sometimes they'll reach out to the mother-in-law because, well, she knows her son better than anybody, so... Why can't I talk to her about the problems I'm having with her son? And that seems like there's too many people in a marriage then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Way too many. So I have a couple more questions and then we're going to wrap up. One person literally said, I feel as though my daughter-in-law isn't very nice to my son. When I see them together, he gets pushed around a lot and she has high expectations of him. He's the main breadwinner, yet he's also expected to be around all the time and be the best father. Can I approach this? Is this none of my business? It's hard for me to see. First off, no, she should not say anything to either the daughter-in-law or her son. Again, it's their marriage. And he chose her on some level for a reason. And, And usually it's an unconscious level. We choose things that are familiar or maybe not comfortable, but at least familiar with. Uh, what we know. And so you have to let them figure that out. You have to let your son figure that out. If he's being, and I'm going to say bullied, let's say, because that's what it sounds like, Mm -hmm. then you have to not say anything. But you also can let him know in an indirect way that you're always there for him and that if he ever needs anything, that, that you're there for him. How do you say that? What are the words you would use for that without feeling like you're interfering? Well, it depends on what they're talking about. Let's say your son calls and he's just talking in general. Again, he, I don't know, but I doubt if he would be sharing any of that. 
stuff. Probably not, because he doesn't feel it's a problem. Well, if he doesn't feel like it's a problem, then you have to let it go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If he truly doesn't feel like it's a problem, you need to just, for whatever reason, it works for them. Okay, okay. It's not what you would have chosen for your son, but it's obviously working for him. So in that sense, you would, you just, you don't say anything. Got it. Which is hard. All of it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Being a mom is hard. Being a mother-in-law is hard. I think we all have all these feelings and emotions and we want to talk about them because that's who we are. And being a grandmother is hard. Yeah, I did an episode on that. I'm not there yet either, but I hear that's very hard. Very rewarding and very hard. I guess anything worth working for is hard, right? Absolutely. So last question. My daughter is outwardly mean to me, even when my son is around. She seems not to like anything I say or do. I walk on eggshells. Even if I say the flower arrangement is pretty, she'll disagree. Wow, that's not a pleasant person to be around. (laughs) Um, Well, there's a couple of things she could do. She could, when I talked about before about getting unstuck, she could could go that route and say, you know, there's, you seem like you're upset with me. And she'll probably go, oh, no, I'm not. Well, but something's going on because, you know, you just seem angry whenever I'm around. Mm -hmm. See if you can get her to talk. And if not, then you're going to have to kind of let that go. There's other things you can do. For example, you could you could laugh, you can make a kind of chuckle about it, kind of make bring some humor into it just to lighten it a little bit to kind of let her know, okay, I know you're angry with me, but what am I going to do? You know? Right. I mean, she's got to find humor in this or she's going to go crazy. Yeah. And I guess you know? don't disagree with her. If she says the flower arrangement's ugly, just move on. Don't say, how can you say that? Yeah. Don't start a sort of back to the whole, the customer's always right. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's probably I, You know, true. and if she's, you know, I mean, you could joke about it and say, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is pretty horrible. You right. know, I mean, you could joke about <laughs> right. it in that sense right. because right. that catches her off guard. She's not quite sure what to do with that. But if you're not comfortable doing that, better to say nothing. I would probably joke about it because that would be easy. That would be, I mean, you've got to have some humor in this. So it's like, you know. Right. I'm just surprised the son would just stand by and not say anything. But he, his first priority has to be his wife, right? Um, yes. Typically what happens in those situations, the son, it's his marriage and it's like, I don't want to do anything that's going to make her angrier. Right, right. Because he'll, he'll have to deal with that. It'll be put on him. And he'd rather not have that. So he just turns a blind eye because it's easier for him. And is it the worst thing in the world for the mother-in-law to say to him later, I can't believe you let her treat me that way? Yeah, because you're putting him in the middle then. I mean, what do you want him to do? Now, you don't know what goes on when you're not around. That's exactly right. Yeah. He could be saying, what in the heck did you say to my mother? Why did you do that? I mean, you never know. He could do that. Right. That's true. But you're not going to know that. And you don't want to put him in the middle of that. And one of the big things I see is we it's easy to put our sons in the middle because we know them, we're comfortable with them. And they're going to love us anyway, probably. Exactly, exactly. So I think the best thing you can do is if you have an issue with your daughter-in-law, deal with your daughter-in-law. Don't go to your son, go to your daughter-in-law and say, you know, I, you know, you seem upset with me. I, I, Mm -hmm. you know, I really want to figure out what I'm doing that's creating, you know, this much pain for you, whatever's going on, you know, I want to fix that. You know, you've got to take the high road here, you know, even if, mm-hmm. even if you're really doing nothing wrong and you may be doing something, you don't even realize it, like trying to be too helpful. When we go back to that, trying to be too helpful. You don't even realize that's a problem. So, I mean, but you have to go to the daughter-in-law first. It's just it, it, putting your son in the middle. He will choose her. Mm-hmm. He may love you, but he will choose her. 
Well, and also in your book, you have ways to identify the kind of mother-in-law you are. And I think that's the whole you thing and taking the high yes. road. We have to figure yeah. out what we're contributing. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just one person. And again, why do some of these relationships work and some of them don't? Well, part of the reason is because the ones that work is when you have someone, a mother-in-law who's comfortable in her own skin, who's self-confident and comfortable in her own skin, and you have a daughter-in-law who's also that way. Those go well together. And and they, they don't have issues. Now, not that everything's perfect and that you know, the mother-in-law or daughter-in-law doesn't do something to upset the other, but bottom line is they don't take it personally. They don't make a big deal. They're more like we used to be like, oh, we just deal with it and move on. That's not magic. There's a reason why those relationships work. And it's because of the two people in those relationships, they are, they are comfortable within themselves. It's the ones who aren't comfortable. Yeah. I, I really understand that. I, I really get that. And I'm not sure like you said, I can't remember who that first person was, Doubting Dory or somebody. D doubting Donna. Yeah, yeah, that they come off very self-assured, mm -hmm. but underneath there's a lot of self-doubt. And I would say that's the majority of us. Yeah, I think that's true because we put on a good front. We put on a good front, but we all have our doubts. And yeah. those people, when I look around, as you have me thinking, the people that I know, even as parents, completely had confidence in themselves, do do a better job as a mother-in-law and a mother. Absolutely. So Deanna, we're getting towards the end of this. And I want to know, what have we missed? What are some of the key important things maybe I've overlooked? Well, I think one of the things is how important the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship is and why it's so important. I think the reason that it's so important is because it affects every other relationship in the family. If the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law don't get along, then you have the father-in-law who's going to protect his wife. There's problems. So then he's now involved. Then you've got maybe a sibling of the husband, so it's a sister or another brother or whatever, who are going to take sides. Everybody takes sides. And so what happens is now you've, you've not just kept it between the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, you've now expanded to every other family member, maybe even extended where you have grandparents and cousins and who knows who else. So it really is that important of a relationship. Those two people can implode with everybody else in the family. So it's, it's just a very critical relationship. Don't think for a minute that it's just between the two of you because it's not. So that's one thing. The other thing I want to bring up is this whole bond versus relationship because I think it's really, really misunderstood. First, let me define this. So a bond is something that is where there's really no agenda. There's no expectations. It's a really deep emotional connection. And it's going to be there regardless of whether there's a relationship or not. For example, trauma survivors, they may go to a group and they, you know, they have this one thing in common, which is a trauma. Vets are another one because they obviously that's trauma being in war. They have this connection. Now they may go their separate ways, but they still have this bond. Well, parents have bonds with their kids. So mothers and sons often have very deep bonds with each other, which is different than a relationship because relationships ebb and flow. Relationships are constantly changing. So relationships have expectations. And if you think about your son for a moment, now he's going to go through different stages in life. So that relationship you have with him is going to change. But that bond never change. It never wavers. It never goes anywhere. It's never diluted. It's what it is. And one of the things that I have found is with daughters-in-law, they don't understand this bond thing that you have with your son or your son has with you. They see that as the relationship. 
yet it's not. And so they get threatened by that bond. And they try to do things to break that up because they think it's a relationship. You're too close to your mom. You're too, you know, and it's not. It's just that that bond is felt not only with your son, but with the daughter. She can feel that bond that you do have, but she doesn't understand it. And she thinks it's the relationship. So if you can help separate those two, the bond versus the relationship with your son, then you can let him move away in regards to the relationship, knowing that that bond is going to always be there, regardless if if you talk to him every day, once a week, once a month, and if he just chit chats and it's all superficial, don't worry. It's the bond that you have that will never go away. Boy, that's that's helpful. I think all of us have to realize he may not be with us every day. He may not be calling us every day, but we'll always have that bond that we developed over those first 20 years or 18 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Interesting. Well, we're about to end. So as you know, I always ask my guests for two or three takeaways that you think our listeners absolutely should remember from this episode. Can you offer those to us now? I think the things I would think about would be for a mother-in-law, if you want to get on track and you need... and. You can do this at any stage. It doesn't have to be just at the beginning. You can try to do this at any stage, but you definitely have to create a relationship with your daughter-in-law that's independent of your son, where you two become connected based on commonalities and things of interest and making her feel that she can teach you things as much as you can teach her. So it's a much more balanced relationship. That's probably the, the most important thing. And to genuinely look at have you really let go of your son? Have you really let him become the man he is supposed to be? I love that. Dr. Deanna, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. I know that it'll be helpful to so many of our listeners. I'll share your website and your books so that everyone can take those tests and figure out who their daughter-in-law is and who they are. So thank you again very much for joining me. My pleasure. I have enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Good. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap. I hope this helped answer a lot of the listener questions about the mother and daughter-in-law relationship. It looks like it's on our backs as the older one in the relationship. We've got to take the high road. And as Dr. Deanna said, it's our turn to let our sons be the young men we've raised them to be. I certainly can't end the episode without reminding all of you to get your Bite Your Tongue mugs to support our podcast. Just visit our website at BiteYourTonguePodcast.com and all the ordering instructions are right there. Also remember to follow us on social media and reach out if you have feedback or questions. You can always email us at BiteYourTonguePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again so much to our audio engineer, Connie Gorant Fisher. She makes all of us sound much better than we actually are. And in the meantime, as always... Remember, sometimes you just have to bite your tongue.